Hi, I'm Ben. And I'm Lucas. And we are two aspiring filmmakers making unnecessary commentary on famous movies. Each week, we will randomly select a film to analyze, discuss, and review. We will select the film at the end of each podcast, so you will have ample time to watch the movie before the next episode. We are slightly qualified film students. Hello. Hello. Welcome back. Welcome back to another episode of Slightly Qualified Film Students. Uh, coming in today with the 2012 film, The Perks of Being a Wallflower. Yeah, this is based off of a novel of the same name from the 90s that I know Lucas has read. Um, before or after the movie? Um, after. After the movie, yeah. Which, which one's better? Which one can you officially say is better? Um, I don't know. I don't really tend to compare books and movies to each other. I mean, mm. on an enjoyment level, I'm always going to go with the movie nine times out of ten. Mm-hmm. But yeah. um, I don't know. I think the book is well-written novel on its own part, and... I mean, it's interesting here because the same writer of the novel is also the director of this film right. and wrote the screenplay. So, yeah. um, you know, he he has full creative control of everything of The Perks of Being a Wallflower. So, you know, it's not like it's been completely changed or altered. I mean, this movie is definitely toned down quite a bit for that PG-13 rating um, because the book is quite... Uh, graphic at some points right but um yeah i don't know i i this is definitely a comfort film for me it's i know it's sad but it also has like a feel-good kind of ending and yeah i don't know i just I, it's a bit of a comfort film for me yeah going into it for the first time uh i, I don't know i was looking forward to it and it definitely didn't disappoint it's a very nice coming of age film uh you know better than a majority of high school like romance slash dramas slash coming of age that kind of genre i'd put it you know it's top tier um the soundtrack is killer uh there's some beautiful shots in here too i mean it's definitely a very well put together story and overall i was pretty i was pretty impressed um i wasn't really sure what to expect but definitely impressed me uh, I got the plot summary here. I'll just read it real quick. <clears throat> nice. It's a long one. <sighs> Charlie, a 15-year-old introvert, enters high school and is nervous about his new life. When he befriends his seniors, he learns to cope with his friend's suicide and his tumultuous past. Yeah, so it. I think that this film is quite a bit darker than I was expecting it to be when I went in I you know I thought it was going to be about uh you know freshman he's quote-unquote loser he doesn't have any friends uh and he finds a way to fit in but nah this movie is it's very dark um he's got some he's got a messed up past and he has like you know PTSD he's repressed memories of his aunt molesting him as a child and you constantly see this (laughs) and yeah spoiler alert uh and you're seeing this through like repressed memories and flashbacks he's having um every time he sees like romantic behavior 
uh, and it's a it's an interesting you know character being played out here because you so you like slowly learn uh, all these things that have been building on him to make him this awkward you know socially uh, awkward person like it's you know revealed to you at the party scene when he is uh, high that his friend committed suicide in like a very casual way because he's um, he's not you know functioning at a normal capacity so all these all these things get revealed uh, and then by the end you're just like damn this this is sad like this is very very sad uh, it's a very it's a very dark ending and I really wasn't expecting it but yeah yeah I mean it is a darker film and definitely one of the darker high school films out there um, but you know at the heart of it it is just about being in high school and going through that kind of livelihood and for him it's I think he's meant to be in grade nine in the the film so he's you know just starting high school he's very new to everything and I thought it was interesting watching this film now I don't think I'd seen it in you know three four years um so watching it at the time when I was younger than Charlie and now watching it older than him it's right. I I come at it with a very different perspective and realizing just how young he is in this film and you know how how messed up it is everything that happens to him and upon rewatching this film knowing you know what's going to happen knowing his backstory it's a lot harder to watch honestly because you're you're catching on to all of these things and he's such this naive innocent child that you just he's like this little puppy dog you want to protect and mm-hmm. yeah when you're watching it yeah. again already aware of everything that's going in his head constantly it's 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 a, I found it a lot harder to watch this time yeah for sure i mean i think that that's kind of the attitude the seniors almost have to him they kind of take him in they feel for him because they're kind of a bit of you know like a band of i think they call themselves like the band of misfit toys a little bit of outcasts obviously Ezra is um gay and he is uh you know he's bullied for that and you know I think that they kind of feel for him and they take him in and it's a very like fun relationship that they all have with each other like it's there's some really funny moments in this film even though it is quite dark like you still have elements of that yeah goofy like almost rom-com high school feel uh, which definitely make it a very entertaining watch because you're contrasting these super dark scenes with, you know, feel-good music, feel-good aesthetics, and just, like, carefree, rocky horror picture show uh, dance sequences. And it's it's a really interesting ride. Kind of, you know, it's, it's like high school. It's all over the place. Uh, and I think they captured it really well. So, you know props to them uh i think it'd be more accurate if we went to school in the states Um, yeah it feels i mean it's not really relatable coming from like we don't have that crazy football you know that every american high school has or like even a lunch room where everyone like a cafeteria where everybody has to get their food and then sit at tables like i mean i have that uh, but yeah no you just leave 
go get lunch at like McDonald's or something. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, and also the whole like periods and semesters. It's just it's just not a thing here. Um, yeah, but and I figure you see it so much, it's probably accurate. Yeah, and I'll talk about this a bit more story and originality, but I um, I don't know if the bullying that happens in this film is that realistic. Not going to an American school, like. I mean, I think some of it makes sense, but a lot of it just felt like, really? Wow. Is this actually how Like, a people? kid sits down in English class, and he, like, likes reading books, and then the person next to him is like, idiot. Like, what? It's just like, yeah, some of the bullying in this film felt so just mean. Like, honestly, unrealistically just, mean. Like, I mean, I'm sure this happens to people, but... I don't know. I just like, I've never sat down in the English it, class and watched someone like raise their hand and been like, "What a smartass!" Yeah, like, I don't know anyone who does that. Who's just like, it gets super like chippy at someone for liking reading. Yeah, or or just like walks down the hall. Like you know, I'm I'm be we're gonna be seniors next year. I don't think I'm gonna walk down the hall, spot a freshman and like just rip his book cover. Yeah. For no reason, like it's true. It's true. Like or just like push someone. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like why? What, what was the point of that? Um. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, let's let's head into standout scenes here. What What is your standout scene, Ben? I'm probably stealing Lucas's, but it has to be the LSD sequence at the party. This is like the second drug experience at a party for Charlie. And this scene is just, not only is it beautifully shot, but it also um, fully reveals Aunt, uh, what's her name, Aunt Helen? Right. Yeah, Aunt Helen. It fully reveals, like, her death. Um, it, it doesn't get to the uh, sexual abuse yet, I don't think, if I remember no. correctly. Um, but... It, it, it reveals it in such a beautiful way because you're getting these flashbacks of him doing the snow angels and then it you know, flashes back to that's the same spot where his aunt last talked to him before you know, leaving and being hit by a car. And just the dreamlike visuals. Uh, they have that shot where she tells him to look up at the stars and then you get I don't even know what it is. But it's like different sections of the stars lighting up i don't know it just looks sick uh the music the score here is absolutely beautiful um and overall it's just a very well put together scene and in my opinion the most enjoyable uh most enjoyable one of the whole movie yeah yeah it's it's a sad scene in itself like he's kind of depressed well he's on lsd he's depressed because he sees emma watson um Emma Watson and her college boyfriend going upstairs and he's seeing everyone kind of morph together and he's out of his head and he starts going through his, you know, remembering Aunt Helen, remembering how she died. And I mean, watching this on second rewatch and knowing all the other stuff, it's it's very, very depressing. And there is a mm-hmm. line that his aunt says in this scene in one of the flashbacks where she says it's our, our little secret, secret, which obviously you don't really catch on to on first watch but upon rewatch it's very obvious um yeah i mean i thought it was a little weird for sure 
Yeah. Hearing it, I was like, that's kind of... Yeah. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Off-putting. But at the, in the moment, you feel like, oh, it's just kind of cringy with yeah. writing, but... You don't think that yeah, that's I, gonna happen. I didn't. I definitely wasn't predicting the twist. Yeah, yeah. Me neither. When I first watched it, it really shocked me. And yeah, I mean that that was my standout scene. But I, I I got some other ones. I think a big one is like near the end when he has his mental breakdown. That's such a obvious kind of choice of a scene. Yeah. Where he, you know, he says goodbye to his friends. They leave off to college and. He just starts going in this downward spiral of just depression and Mm -hmm. thinking it was his fault he killed Aunt Helen. He's alone again. He doesn't want to have to go through high school again all alone. And yeah, it's such a heartbreaking scene. Logan Lerman kills his performance in that scene. Yeah, totally. And, um, you know... I think the Percy Jackson franchise really did not use him to his full potential. They did him dirty. Um, did they make all five of those? No, nah, they did made they two. They made two. They made two? Yeah. <laughs> what was the third one? Something about Titans? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. know. I remember liking the third book. Yeah. The um, books were good. I, I think that's a great scene. I also love the tunnel scene, both of them. Yeah. They're, they're very, yeah. like, memorable scenes. Like when you mm-hmm. go back and of think about this film, especially if you're a Bowie fan, yeah, it's very obvious. Um, yeah, I think there's a lot of little scenes here and there that are quite just, just simply beautiful in very simple, calm ways. That yeah. it's kind of like the whole concept and vibe of this entire film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Uh, did we get any audience questions this week? I guess in the last two weeks, we had to take a little week break um, to make up for me being away camping. So, yes. Um, yeah, so it's going to be awkward when we get to our one-year anniversary. It's going to be our 51st <laughs> film, I guess. Yeah. Uh, audience questions. Yes, we have a couple here. We got... Nice. Um what was your favorite line of dialogue in this film? I think it's gotta be um, just like I guess the well, I, what would you call it? Like the tagline? Um, maybe something you put on the poster where he's just like I feel infinite or we are infinite because that's a dope line. It is a pretty dope <laughs> line. Like, I like how he says a sick way to the first part, of it, the first tunnel scene, he's, he kind of just, he's like, hi, and he's just like, I feel infinite. And it's just yeah. kind of thrown away, and then that's the last line of the film also. He's like, we are infinite. That's pretty cool. I mean, yeah, I, I really it's like... a cool line. I, I think I, I love Paul Red's line to him where he says, we choose the love we think we deserve. Like, that's just such a yeah. killer line. Right that's kind of fact. Yeah. Kind of and then he's like, he's like, Paul Rudd, Paul Rudd, randomly the homie more? teacher. Can we tell them they deserve more? And he's like, we can try. Like that's just some some nice dialogue back and forth there. Paul Rudd really, uh, you know, he he comes in here and you think he's gonna play it's like this so kind of comedic random. role, and he just plays like that <laughs> it's, it's solid, kinda, it's awesome like the only English teacher, teacher you see in the entire movie, except the shop teacher, and he's just a homie. Yeah, he's just a homie. <laughs> 
Um, yeah. Like Duggan is grade eight. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, that that was our audience question. So thank you for that. Nice. And let's take a quick break, and we'll hop into the actual review. Okay, we're back. All right, we are uh, back. Heading into story and originality out of 10. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think, you know, this this story, it, it feels kind of cliche at some points. I'm going to be honest. Yeah, I don't uh, think the story I feels the cliche. Th- I feel like there's moments in the script that feel cliche. Right. Yeah, yeah that's true. Because as I was going to say, yes, it, it kind of feels cliche at some points, but also the ending and just like how deep they get into these psychological problems that he's having Mm -hmm. is it's pretty you know unique for a movie of this caliber like a high school drama i don't you know you don't really see a lot other than the other one starring ezra miller we need to it's not really a high school drama (laughs) yeah i was about to say it's not the high school for the last 10 minutes of the film (laughs) yeah with the with the bow and arrow um yeah, uh, but I think that this movie goes in very deeply into Charlie's psyche in a way that not a lot of other high school movies do. So I really appreciated that. And because of that, I think that this story is very touching. Um, and it, it's it's very, very solid for, uh, for how long this movie is, um, for just the subject matter in general i feel like they tackled it really well and uh yeah it's an interesting story uh i can't really like call it the greatest high school movie ever um because like that's got to be waves if you can count it it's not really Um, a high school movie i mean it's not based in high school i think if we say a high school movie it has to be like based around high school like waves is not really yeah high school. i mean it's, it's kinda, i think i think I don't this know. is a I don't really know. it's a well-made coming of age film and i, I yeah i think the story mm-hmm. is really beautiful and interesting and original in its own way i definitely do think when we talk about screenplay there are definitely a lot of lines of dialogues or certain scenes that feel very cliche but i think if we're just looking at the overall story i think it's very solid and very beautiful yeah totally i agree um yeah what'd you give it the nine out of ten yeah i gave it an eight percent out of ten it's a high eight but yeah solid eight percent not quite a nine in my eyes uh let's move on to beginning which is at a five percent and i think that this beginning is not very good uh i think that it kind of had me nervous for the rest of this film now it starts off with narration um which isn't always a no-no but in this case it's just kind of straight up exposition to an imaginary I guess he's in he's supposed to be writing letters to the audience, right? Like where his uh his pen pal or something mm-hmm. getting these letters and that's how the story is told. Yeah. Which is, you know, it's cool and all, 
but it's just an excuse for some exposition. And, mm-hmm. I, yeah, the book is basically diary entries, if I'm not yeah, mistaken. Yeah, the entire book is... Well, the entire uh, book are letters, because he's literally writing letters to a pen pal. That's literally the book. So that's why they did that at the start here, because that is the entire book. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think that it's just... It's not my favorite way of giving exposition. I, I, I gotta be honest. I don't think it's that creative and it's just kind of blatant narration as exposition it's not the worst uh but it's just kind of a very predictable opening he's a very cliche high school student you know he's like trying to eat lunch but he has to sit alone in the lunchroom uh he's getting bullied by the seniors in the hallways it's just not a very interesting opening in my opinion and it definitely had me nervous for how the rest of the movie is going to play out uh, but then I was pleasantly surprised with the rest. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think definitely it's a lot of exposition and, yeah. But I do, I like how the dialogue was written in the sense that you get a pretty clear understanding of who Charlie is really quickly with how he talks, how he, just his entire dialogue and that opening sequence I think is you know, well enough written, even though it is all exposition, and you get a good glimpse of his character. I like the shop class scene with Ezra Miller. I mean, Ezra Miller is the clear highlight of this movie for me. Man brought it. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think it's a pretty meh beginning. I don't think it's awful. I don't think it's great, but I, I do feel like it's pretty much on the same level as all those other average beginnings we've been seeing uh with a lot of like you know coming of age films they tend to have this like just exposition exposition kind of beginnings um which is fine it sets you up for the rest of the movie but doesn't get you points for beginning yeah i gave it a two percent i thought it was below average especially compared to some other films we've been reviewing although you know we haven't really dabbled that much in this kind of genre uh, but yeah, I mean, when you're just comparing it to some of these films we've done that have like stellar openings that are super memorable and hit you with action right away, or even the slower ones that are just very beautiful, this 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 film just doesn't really do it for me. Yeah, so I gave I, it. I gave it the percent three. It's a low three for me, but I I don't know. I think I, yeah, yeah, it's it's a three. It's pretty average for me. Um. Okay, moving into mm-hmm. ending, out of five, also. I, you know what? I was watching this ending, and I was like, man, they're going to end it with goddamn narration. I was expecting it. But then, it's just something about this ending, man. It's it's really awesome. Emma <laughs> uh, Watson figures out who David Bowie is, um, <laughs> and they start listening to heroes and driving down the tunnel. It's just beautiful. It really is. And I love that they cut away from the narration. Ezra Miller and Emma Watson are just screaming. Music's blasting. It's just awesome, man. I just really love this ending. Um, I'm not giving it quite full marks because of the long narration right before it ends. But it's damn near close because this is a baller way to end a movie. And I love it. 
Yeah, it's a very memorable ending, and yeah, it is narration, but I gotta say, it's it's some uh, damn good narration. There's some really beautiful dialogue that is being said in that narration. Um, it's not just recapping the film like most end narrations do. It's him, you know, writing his final letter, or writing a letter about being in that tunnel in that moment it's not about him being like oh i've grown i've i've seen the world like it's not it's not that it's not telling us anything it's leaving it still pretty ambiguous because you know he's having fun in that moment but he's still gonna have to go back to high school without them and basically his life is just gonna go on but in that moment which is what he says in the film he says in this moment we we are infinite and i think that is if you're going to use narration, you should use it in that way to end your film because it's, you know, it gives you goosebumps and heroes kicking in right in the, yeah. when the, you know, the drum hits and them screaming out their window and it transitions from the orange tunnel light into the blue night sky. It's, it's a very beautiful ending. That's awesome. Um, it yeah, truly is I awesome. gave it four out of five. Yeah. I gave it the 4% too. I wish I could have given it a five, but it's just, it's, it's no, it's just not quite there. Not quite, but it's close. Not quite. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Screenplay and dialogue time at 8%. Now, I don't know. I'm kind of conflicted because there are some awesome lines in this movie. Like there are some absolute killer lines, but there's also a lot of narration and very cliche stereotypical characters that are just so flat and so boring. Uh, like, this this film just went full stereotypical. You got, like, the goth character who's a punk and a Buddhist. Lol. Uh, and then you have the sports jocks who are just, like, douches who like sports. Um, and then you got, the, like, the outcast. And it's, it's cliche... It's very, like, breakfast clubby almost, with, like, everybody being one of the stereotypes, kind of. Uh, mm-hmm. But, I don't know. The screenplay, like, managed to charm me a lot, actually. Uh, even with its clichéness and its narration, it's just, it's very charming. The, the dialogue, even these stereotypical characters, like, they, they just managed to, to warm your heart a bit. And also shatter it. Um, but warm your heart. And, th- you know, I think that this has some very well-written scenes, some very stereotypical cliche scenes, but it kind of balances out. So I, I don't really hate it too much at all. Like, I think it's... Yeah. Uh, it's 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 solid. It's solid. I think it there's some really fantastic dialogue in this film. I think there's some pretty cliche scenes, but I also think there's some really groundbreaking scenes for a high school coming of age film. Um, yeah, I do think a lot of the characters do have their pretty cliche kind of stuff, but you know, you got like the jock, but who's also kind of closeted gay, and there's all of that going on. This screenplay does pull twists and turns throughout the film. And it it also just delivers some really human moments. I mean, yeah, we were talking about how a lot of the high school stuff wasn't really that real. But I felt like there were a lot of moments just within their friend group or just them hanging out 
that felt very real. Um, just yeah. them, like, eating dinner together, just chilling, you know, doing whatever. It, there, There's some, like, scenes that just felt very, like, you're just watching a group of friends hanging out. And, you know, there's, there's some really beautiful pieces of dialogue. Um, I mean, my biggest issue with the screenplay is <laughs> one specific scene, uh, which, which genuinely makes me cringe. And that is the scene where, uh, Ezra Miller gets beat up by all the jocks. Um, I mean, like the start of the scene is pretty cool. Cause you know, he, he goes and stands up for himself and then he punches his, his boyfriend yeah. in the face and like that stuff's cool. I like that. He starts getting beat mm-hmm. up. What I don't like is little grade nine Charlie single-handedly blacks beats out. up five, like, full football jocks, like, bloodied on the ground, no weapon in sight, with his own two fists. And, and then he can't even remember, like, what happened. He's like, oh, what did I Because he has his blackouts, which, you know, whatever. He has these blackouts, and that makes sense. But that's their excuse. Like, they're like... Yes, this this boy just all of a sudden has superpowers and it's a blackout. And even though they do show when he's having his breakdown at the end, like him genuinely like beating up some of these guys, like going absolutely crazy, that still doesn't excuse this because there was like five of them. One of them could easily have just knocked him in the back of the head and he would have been out. I think this would have worked if there was only, like, one or two, because then I could believe it if he went fully crazy. But when there was just, like, a full group of them, it's just not believable at all. Um, That's my biggest issue with the screenplay. Um, Yeah. Yeah, it's just that scene. But, you know, I do think there's some great scenes in here that make up for it and some really beautiful dialogue. I gave it a 6 out of 8. Yeah, I gave it the 6% too, which is kind of crazy to me because I, f- I felt like it was it was too cliche to be given the 6, but also it's really beautifully written, so it, it balanced out. Got the 6%. Uh, now let's move on to soundtrack, which is at a 7%. Um, I, I love the soundtrack. I think it's awesome. I love David Bowie, obviously, and I love that, that they chose that to be like the the legendary song of awe and myth um and also they name dropped nick drake and i was really hoping they licensed some nick drake to put in here and they didn't which kind of disappointed me uh but at least they name dropped him so shout out uh emma watson or i guess shout out uh shout out steven chiboski is that how you say his name uh yeah i guess so yeah, I mean, the soundtrack is very memorable in this film. It's definitely one of the biggest portions of this film. Uh, Perks of Being Wallflower had a budget of, I think, $22 million, And I can genuinely say that a solid amount of that probably went to the soundtrack. Um, Sorry, what was because the Because they, they licensed a lot of music for this film and a lot of really well-known songs. Uh, you got The Smiths, David Bowie... Um, you know, come on, Eileen. Like, there's a lot of really big kind of nineties. And they use them, and it's not like ten seconds of it. Yeah, they use like the whole thing. So yeah. Um. So obviously, this is a fantastic soundtrack. It carries a lot of the movie, and not just the song choices. There are some really beautiful, 
uh, score, score pieces that are uh, used in this movie, uh, especially like that LSD scene, the mental breakdown scene. There are just some really deathly depressing but beautiful scores that are used uh, within the film. Yeah, I mean, this was an easy 7 out of 7 for me for the soundtrack. Yeah, 7 out of 7 for me. If they used Nick Drake, would have been an 8. But I bet it's really hard to license his music. Um, yeah, let's move on to production design, costumes, and set. I overall thought that the production design in this movie was very solid. Um, there's no big sets, but I thought that the costumes were great. I love that they really got into the true Rocky Horror Picture Show culture. Um, yeah, which also you have to think about they had to license the ability to use scenes oh, from that movie oh that's true and the movie is playing and in the, the background songs. obviously that's and what the I'm, yeah that's what I'm saying yeah but that would have been expensive cause this yeah this movie doesn't look like a big budget film but it had yeah I think it was like 20 million which isn't a 13. huge budget it's but 13. it's still 13 million really? I thought I read yeah. it had a much bigger budget no, well I, I just looked it up 13 million oh yeah well there I you mean, go it's, it's but I can pretty, still say that probably a lot of that was going to the uh, the soundtrack. Oh no, it made uh, thirty million in the box office. But yeah, a lot of it was going to the soundtrack, and uh, the production design isn't crazy by any means. But I do love the detail within it. I was noticing uh, there was a scene like the scene at the end and. Uh, Emma Watson's room. What's what's her character's name? Sam. Sam's Sam's bedroom, uh, with Charlie. Like, there's just. It could have been such a just normal scene with a couple lamps on the bed posts or whatever. But they like got little like pixie lights and wrapped them around her bed frame so you could get like beautiful bokeh in the background of the shots, mm-hmm. and then they like, got, they lined her window with like some some lights and posted like different colored pictures around it so you get that like contrast of that color and the bokeh off the lights which is often you don't see in indoor scenes and I just loved those choices because it it makes these scenes that are mostly just medium close-ups stand out and feel a lot more beautiful um, just by that little extra detail in the production design um, yeah, I mean, I really love the costumes in this film. Yeah, totally. Letter jackets. I they mean, why does everybody get a letter jacket? Realistic. Even a marching band. You know, <laughs> that's not even a sport. Yeah. Uh, some nice dialogue for you. Uh, yeah, I think that, you know, $13 million budget, they were able to create some pretty awesome sets. I mean, you have all these posters and Emma Watson's room and stuff. Mm-hmm. It's just... It's very and nice. even like little things like the shop class or like having to cha- yeah. make all of those pink uh, woodworking uh, tools. tools. Like just things like that that you can tell obviously took some effort and they really had to go out on that stuff, spend money and make that and make that wall of them. It's, it's mm-hmm. you know, there's just little things like that um, that make the production design stand out for this film. Obviously it's not incredible by any means but for the budget it had and the limitations it has just being a high school film i think they really 
just did well with costumes and production design that I gave it a 5 out of 6. Yeah, I gave it the 5% out of 6 as well. Um, very, very solid. Very, very, very solid. Uh, yeah, so let's move into location selection, which I also think quite solid. Uh, I like that they actually made a fake high school football game and really captured that whole culture because I know it is very big in the States. Um, which, you know, they, they, they put on the the real deal Friday night lights for that. Uh, mm -hmm. Just simple locations like the the snowy... Is it Philadelphia or Pittsburgh? I think it's it's Pittsburgh because they like the penguins. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so it's just the snowy... Uh, you know, suburbs of Pittsburgh, very nice. You know, obviously the tunnel and the bridge where they uh, stand up in is an yeah, awesome location. Yeah, the tunnel location. is a beautiful location. And, um, you know, overall, there's not many locations, I guess, throughout the film. Uh, but, you know, even simple things like outside the theater with the nice neon lights, it's, it's just nice. It's very nice touches. Yeah, and. I love the bleachers, like, when they go up, when he gets mm -hmm. his C-minus in shop, and it's just this, like, standalone bleacher looking out into the the city line, skyline. Uh, it's, it's like, obviously not your usual high school bleachers. They, they really sought out that. And, like, the LSD scene again, like, that snowy pile in those trees, forests, like, it's just beautiful him doing that snow angel there uh yeah that that street that little windy street where his uh he's having that flashback on his aunt um going to get his present just little things like that i think there's some really great locations in this film that yeah. are very um accurate to where this film takes place and um, the style of this film. Obviously, they're not going to have crazy silence locations. Um, yeah. But I think but... they did, you know, care about their shots. They weren't just getting lazy. Uh, I also gave it 506. Yeah, I gave it the 5% as well. Overall, very, very solid in both categories. Mm -hmm. uh, so, yeah, we'll take a quick break, and then we'll come back for the second half of the review our final scores, and next week's film. Okay, we are okay. back. Back, hopping into cinematography, which I thought was pretty good. Um, some nice bokeh here and there. Nice soft depth of field. It's not quite as modern ultra boca as i would have liked um and i feel like it's on the basic side there's not a lot of crazy tracking shots or anything uh i think overall it shot very nicely not too crazy but also there's no real bad shots here uh framing once again very solid uh they they don't really push it too much. They're no, they're not. They're not uh, making it too too over the top beautiful, which I feel like they could have really done and boosted this film up in my eyes. Uh, but 
there's nothing necessarily wrong, you know, compositionally with the shots or anything. It's just, it's not quite on that same beautiful level as some other films of this era are. Yeah, uh, I feel so like this film doesn't need to be beautiful, though. It's not really supposed to be a beautiful film. It's kind of yeah. gritty. And it has its moments of beauty, like the tunnel scene, where it just is overwhelmingly beautiful, and that's kind of reflecting the state in which the characters are. Like, the tunnel scene is beautifully shot, tracking that car, mm-hmm. um, and the lights, like, hitting the camera. And the the first tunnel scene, that transition between coming out of the tunnel and her standing there into the night sky with the city skyline all all uh blurred out in the background is it's really beautiful i think there's some also some great scenes like when uh charlie and ezra miller are chilling on that bench up on like the mountain top there's just little things like that i don't i don't think the cinematography is anything extensive but it's definitely like kind of just nice and i think it fits the tone of this film really well mm-hmm. yeah uh <laughs> i give it an eight percent yeah total me too not also, quite on the nine <laughs> level i love the random dutch angle when he's having his mental breakdown it's just so yeah. it works it just works really well i hate dutch angles oh but i hate dutch angles too i, I hate like dutch angles one. so much but just having that one two second dutch angle was kind of funny and i liked it it worked for that scene um yeah i give it eight out of ten also uh okay we're moving into editing here out of eight and i actually think this film is edited really well um especially if you think about all the flashback sequences because Mm -hmm. where they're placed when they happen very well done uh on top of that there, there's some scenes that are really really fast paced in this film where the editing has to kind of just just go crazy um like the dance scene but i think the main thing that stands out to me with the editing in this film is just the overall consistency of making it so that we're we're watching these characters kind of go through this chaotic life and this this depressing life and the editing kind of reflects that um i mean when when you're watching like the lsd scene for example it's it's edited in this very quick paced fashion but then it just slows completely down and there's like zero cuts and you're just watching him sit there alone for a solid like 20 seconds whereas if you Mm -hmm. contrast that to like when they're just uh they're dancing they're dancing come on eileen it's just crazy everything is happening stuff is spinning around it's constantly cutting and i like how this film incorporates editing as if it's a character but definitely the biggest thing for editing for me is that final sequence i mean or not the final sequence but his breakdown sequence that that's very that's edited to perfection it's it's almost reminiscent of like eternal sunshine or even brazil in a way where the character's mental state is obviously not chillin mm-hmm. uh 
and so the editing kind of reflects that and it just gets crazy and it's very hard almost to follow the time and the structure of what's going on which obviously totally fits um the scene and i i just love how they harshly like end his breakdown intercutting montage with him actually in the you know that the, the policeman kicks down the door and then it just hard cuts to him in the uh hospital yeah so i think that sequence is edited very very well um yeah, yeah. and but, and also just how they reveal the the twist they reveal what Aunt Helen did, it's not like they don't just like blatantly tell you. It's it's through the ending that they kind of show you things, like they show how the way that Emma Watson is touching his thigh, and and then it shows the aunt doing the same thing to him as a child. It's little things like that. Yeah, and when he and turns like, over his oh. her hand, and you see the uh, the scars on her wrist, and then you, you see him looking at a knife on the kitchen table. Like there's just little things like that that's all done in the editing room that I felt were really strong choices of where they place all these Mm. shots. And there's a lot of montages also in this film. There's a lot of montages to show passage of time, um, which obviously most people know montages all editing um, Mm -hmm. because they're just editing to music. And I I, I think this film is a tiny step above uh, the average editing in films we've been watching. So I gave it that 7 out of 8. Yeah, I, I don't think it's quite on the seven percent level for me. I gave it a six percent, but it's definitely slightly better uh, than the average, uh, especially that final sequence. You know, in the last twenty minutes, I think it really picks up. Uh, yeah, let's move on to acting at a ten percent, and I think that this film has a very very strong group cast. Emma Watson is great. Um, Logan mm. Lerman does his thing, especially at the very end. He's given a great performance. But, I mean, Ezra Miller steals the show. He really does. Yeah. His character's ups and downs are so believable. He's Ezra Miller is an incredible actor. Yeah. Uh, if you haven't seen We Need to Talk About Kevin, you should watch that also great 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 performance in that movie too i haven't really watched too much dc recently but i assume he's good as the flash as well yeah Uh, i mean ezra miller he hasn't done a crazy amount of work but he kills it in this film really really does well like that scene where he's telling charlie what happened to him and brad when his uh brad's father found them together and that that entire monologue is so just heart-wrenching and he gives just mm-hmm. throughout the entire film showing his like really super flamboyant side in rocky horror picture show showing his like energetic happiness and sarcastic funny comments in shop class and also just showing his pure utter sadness and loneliness yeah. um yeah i think especially in the that quick montage where they're sitting together they have those nights where yeah it's just charlie and him talking he gets he gets dark man yeah uh logan lerman i think also kills in this film the ending is incredible obviously when he's sitting there and he's telling himself not to cry and his eyes he's just bawling but he's trying to keep his composure it's really really 
uh, incredible shot. But also, um, throughout the entire film, his composure, his posture, the way he delivers his dialogue in a very, like, academic way he, he you know he sounds he sounds very innocent in how he talks and that's an acting uh-huh. choice and i think it really is perfect for the character of charlie i mean if you read the book the character of charlie is so naive and innocent um and i think he really really shows that in this film i think emma watson does a pretty good job she has her moments like when she's like talks about how she was molested as a kid from her dad's uh boss um when she yeah. realizes that charlie's friend shot himself like there's there she has moments uh my one complaint is i think her accent is awful um really not a good american accent um yeah but you know i think she has solid moments i think all the supporting characters are fine i i, I think there's some one-liner actors in the high school that you know are are dreadful but that girl in english class sucks man but she sucks (laughs) luckily they have like one or two lines in the entire film paul rudd yeah paul rudd is good paul rudd's Rudd's a good awesome um yeah i mean even though there are some side characters i i i overlook them because they're just minimal and you know there's some really dramatic stuff that happens in this film so ezra miller and logan lerman especially get to really show off their acting chops i give it a 9 out of 10 yeah, I gave it a 9 out of 10 as well. Now, let us move in to entertainment value out of 10%. Uh, I thought that overall, this was a fairly entertaining movie. Um, it's funny at some points, but it's also very dark. Got that roller coaster of emotions that is kind of what the high school experience is like. Um, and yeah, I really appreciated it. I, I don't think it was the most entertaining movie I've ever seen. Uh, rewatchability, you know, I'll, I'll rewatch it again maybe. Uh, but I, I, th- I found it a bit harder to relate, I guess, than would be, I guess, the, it's, it's inability to make me relate because obviously I don't go to school in the States and this very dark situation is not one that I'm in kind of lowered the grade for me a tiny bit but i mean overall very solid entertaining viewing would highly recommend it it's pretty short too and there's some hilarious sequences uh some beautiful sequences and the soundtrack's killer yeah yeah i mean this is like a comfort film for me i this is only my third time watching it but i don't know i i just kind of get really into it i i like when you have these coming-of-age films that aren't afraid to get to those dark places and discuss real-life stuff that happens to a lot of, you know, a lot of people that is, you know... This film is definitely on the brink of not being PG-13. They're definitely pushing it. Obviously, they wanted to keep it PG-13 because it is a teen movie, so I'm sure they knew a lot of their box office was going to come from that. But um, they are definitely pushing it. And I I know for a fact that the director said they had to make a few edits before the MPAA was able to give them that PG-13 rating. Because there is some swearing in this film, and, you know, the content is extremely brutal, especially at the end. Um, Yeah. But 
I, I, I really enjoy this film. Third watch, I was very entertained. I mean, I hadn't seen it in a while, but I do think it has rewatchability because I, I found myself watching this film in a complete different light when you know what happens to Charlie. It, 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 it's like you're watching a different movie because you're catching all these other stuff and you're really reading into his character a lot more. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I gave it a 9 out of 10 for Entertainment Valley. Yeah, I gave it a 8% out of 10. I think that if this movie was rated R, if they just sent it, they just rated it R, and made some Requiem for a Dream level, you know, <laughs> graphic content, well, would have had my heart even more. <laughs> I mean, in my opinion, any movie about high school should be rated R because high school is R-rated. Um, for sure. Obviously, money and stuff, but, you know. Yeah, who cares, much, Christopher Nolan? <laughs> life, is, life is R-rated, so just, you know, go for it, I think. Christopher Nolan, yeah. stop making PG-13 movies. For real. Um, Please, stop. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Uh, Overall technical achievement out of fifteen. Um, I think that this is a not quite a fourteen percent. I gave it the eight percent in cinematography, six percent in editing. Very very solid, but it's just it's just not quite on that same technical level as some of the fourteens I've given. Yeah, I don't I don't think it's fourteen at all. I mean, I give editing a seven, but cinematography an eight. You know. Soundtrack's great, but yeah, I think it's a solid 13 out of 15 for overall technical achievement. Um, yep, yeah. 13%. So, and yeah, with yeah. that being said, we'll take a quick break, and then we'll tally up our final percentages and spin that wheel, spin baby. Spin that wheel, see what we're getting next week. back okay. and we are finishing up here tallied up the tallied final, up score. final scores um yeah ben what did you give the perks of being a wallflower i gave it an 81 percent overall not my favorite film in the world but very very solid watch would recommend yeah nice coming age story yeah i gave it a 85 percent um Nice. Yeah, nice. I mean, it's nice. it's in my top 100. I, I, I mean, I don't know. It just has a special place in my heart. I know on an objective level it's not the greatest film ever made, but I don't know. It's just one of those films that I, I just like. <laughs> it's like About Time and Sing Street. Yeah. Um, God damn it, bro. About Time is unexcusable. I love opinion. About Time. I genuinely love that, that movie. movie. That movie. That movie is so painfully mediocre. Bro, I, l- I love that movie. Um, okay. So that gives us a 83.5? Or no, 82.5? 83. What's the average? It's 83. an 83. 83. So Manchester is Manchester 21st. Manchester is 21st still. with perks in 22nd place. Um, Just above, I'm thinking, ending things. Nah. Uh, nah. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. Just above, I'm thinking of anything. So I don't need Manchester by the Sea. Nice. Um, 
Okay, well, I got screen recording up, I got the wheel ready to go, so let's spin this thing, see what we've got for next week. Um, okay, and we are spinning in three, two, one, here we go. Doo -doo. Oh, oh, ooh, oh, okay. This is a pretty nice film. Uh, we have landed on Lars and the Real Girl. Ah, okay, I've never seen this. I've heard good things, I think. Um, Lars and the Real Girl, um, yeah, I mean, this, this, is, a, this is a pretty uh, funny yet um, heartbreaking film. I think a lot of people say this is Ryan Gosling's best performance. Um, it's it's a very indie film, like, very chill. Uh, but it's a definitely a really interesting character study. Wow, this plot summary is super long. Okay. <clears throat> Here we go. Extremely shy Lars, played by Ryan Gosling, finds it impossible to make friends or socialize. His brother, Paul Schneider, and sister-in-law, Emily Mortimer, worry about him. So when he announces that he has a girlfriend he met on the internet, they are overjoyed. But Lars's new lady friend is a life-size plastic woman. On the advice of a doctor, Patricia Clarkson, his family and the rest of his community go along with his delusion. Yeah, so he has a yeah. sex doll as his girlfriend. That's basically what the movie's about. Nice. Um, what a guy. And, yeah, it's... <laughs> man. It it sounds hilarious, but when you actually watch it, you it's it's not as as funny as you might think that that plot idea would be. Um, yeah, I watched this film. I don't know, maybe a year ago for the first time, so I'm kind of excited to rewatch it. I I loved it the first time I watched yeah. it. I can say that I I it hit me in the feels in all the right way, and it's just like a cool indie film, honestly, with some great actors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, I'm I'm excited. Uh, this week we're putting Short Term Twelve on the list on the wheel. <sighs> Ultimate so indie I, film. I haven't seen it, but it seems good. And then next week we're gonna put Fargo nice. on the wheel. So that's nice. it too. Uh, yeah, that that was our review of the Perks of Being a Wallflower. Make sure you check it out. Make sure you keep sending in your audience questions, suggestions. Uh, we get those done as well you know spider-man was a suggestion even goodwill hunting was a suggestion mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. keep them keep coming keep them coming uh yeah yeah thanks for listening we'll see you all next week thank you for listening to slightly qualified film students make sure to tune in next week for a new film discussion and review our theme song is slightly sexy by thompson springs make sure to subscribe and leave us a like send us feedback and comments as well as your thoughts on the film Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at S underscore Q underscore F underscore S. If you would like to send us a question or a comment for next week's episode, you can email us at sqfilmstudents at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you all next week. Bye.